Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Heavenly Father, we just really, really thank you for another day. Thank you for waking us up this morning. We don't take it for granted at all, oh God. That we slept yesterday and then we woke up today. And not only that, you have been with us. You have watched over us. You've just uh, um, poured out your grace upon us today. And Lord, here we are gathered again to just sit at your feet, Lord Jesus. Like Mary, we just look into your word. We want to learn of you. We want to become like you. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that you please come and just take absolute control. Come and brood over each one of us. Uh, we thank you for the privilege of being able to look into your word and to come boldly before you. Holy Spirit, please um, open our eyes to see the things that we haven't seen before. Speak into our hearts. Give us insight. Give us knowledge. Give us wisdom. And as importantly, give us the grace to apply whatever we learn in your word into our lives. Thank you. And I just thank you for all of my brothers and sisters on this platform and those who are yet to join. Be with us, O oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen. I thought as we start today, I'll just do a quick recap um, for the benefit of those who were not with us last week. And... Um, we started with a question, why do we read the Bible? And it's, it's an important question. It's not a question that we should take for granted like, like that, because we don't want to be mechanical in our study of, of the word. So the question is, why do we read the Bible? And um, quite a number of responses that came. Um, obviously, the obvious one is that we read the Bible to know God. Um, it's the principal um, vehicle of knowing God. Um, it's, it's how we get to know the mind of God, the character of God and all. Um, so obviously we read the Bible because we want to know God. It should be the principal thing in everybody's mind that as you read, you want to know more and more of God. And then, of course, we read the Bible for quite a lot of other reasons. We read the Bible to get guidance from the word of God. The word of God tells us how we should live. Um, like the Bible says, the word of God is a lamp onto our feet and light onto our path. Um, we also read the word of God to understand his, his uh, promises concerning us. And this is quite important. Uh, somebody said last week, we get encouragement from the word of God, which is so true. So we read the word of God, we get encouragement. Um, we understand his promises and how to uh, take, well, not take advantage, how to benefit from the promises of God. Uh, we also read the word of God um, for correction. We read the word of God um, for, for guidance. I've talked about guidance. But um, we said last week that one important thing which we often ignore um, and don't pay as much attention as we should is that we read the word of God for the purposes of transformation. And um, we looked at an anchor scripture, and I'm going to read it quickly. Um, anchor scripture, John chapter 15. Um, I'm reading the New Living Translation. 
So I'll read the first eight verses and then the 16th verse. I'm just doing a quick summary for the benefit of those who were not here last week. I know quite a number of you were. Um, so Jesus, this is Jesus speaking. He says, I'm the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. And then in verse 4 says, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Very important um, scriptures, words from Jesus. Verse 5 says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it'll be granted. Verse 8 says, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. And this brings great glory to my father. Very important words from Jesus um, that we cannot afford to ignore because he shows us the mind of God um, concerning his word that he, he's given us. First of all, he, he starts by saying that he, he's the grapevine and you, you understand the analogy, the, the, the tree. We are the branches, but then we're not just branches for branches sake. The, what Jesus is saying is that the essence of being attached to him and he qualifies and he says that if we remain in him and and um, it says remain in me and now remain in you talking about that constant union you know the more we get into the word of god the more we we intensify and focus on our relationship with god he says the result is that we bear fruit and that without him without that relationship we can bear fruit um he then says verse 8 when we produce much fruit we are true we are his true disciples and it brings great glory to God. Verse 16, it says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. And um, we started to talk last week about fruit. And um, we understand from the scriptures, we asked the question, what kind of fruit was Jesus talking about? And we understand that the fruit he was talking about really, I mean, the, the, the different types of fruit that we expected to produce as, as a result of our relationship with God. So when he says in Genesis chapter 1, 26 to 28, um, he created man, blessed them, and he says, be fruitful. You know, to be fruitful means to be productive, you know, to, to produce, uh, to, to, to give birth to, and I'm not talking about just physically, um, to, to be fruitful. So in a general sense, to be fruitful means to be productive, um, to, for there to be results or manifestations of whatever it is that God has put in us. And God has put a lot in each one of us. God expects us to be productive. But then the principal fruit that God expects from us, and that's what we were looking at, we started looking at from last week, is the fruit of our character. And when you think about it, ladies and gentlemen, we talked about this last week. When, when, you, when you think about it, if, if, if you plant an apple seed, 
you expect an apple fruit. If you plant maize, for example, seed, you expect maize as the result. And Jesus is saying, I am the vine and my word is the seed. So if Jesus is the tree, if his word is the seed, what he's saying is that the expectation is that the fruit we produce is fruit like him, that our lives become like him. Um, and then um, we, we looked at John chapter one. I, I won't bother going there, um, but just to uh, confirm the fact and establish the fact that the word of God is really representative of Jesus. The Bible says in John chapter one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then later on, we find that in verse 14, it says that the word became flesh, talking about Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So the word of Jesus is the word of God. And when we go into the word of God, when we look into the word of God, when we read the word of God, remember, if this is Jesus, the expectation is that we bear fruit, we become like Jesus, we bear the fruit of his character. And um, we also looked at, the, these are just summaries, and then we'll do the, uh, the declaration in a minute or two. And then we also, just to understand the mind of God, that this is so important to God that we bear fruit. And remember, there's general fruit that is expected, but the more specific fruit that God expects of us is the fruit of character that represents the seed, the tree itself, and that is Jesus. So what God is expecting from each one of us is that our lives, as we read the word of God, start our character, start to represent um, the character of God. And then just to embellish that, just to show the mind of God in this instance, Philippians chapter one, we looked at this last week, Philippians chapter one, this is Paul speaking to the Philippians in, in verses nine to 11. It says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you, this is verse 11, may you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the fruit of your salvation. And he goes on to expand by saying, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. We'll come back to that. Let's do the declaration um, together. Oh Lord, we are your people called by your name. We humble ourselves and we pray. We seek your face and we turn from our wicked ways. Hear from heaven, oh Lord. Forgive our sins and heal our land. In Jesus' name we pray. We declare that our land is healed in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. That's a declaration, okay. So very quickly, um, again, if I just join in, just doing a quick summary, um, that we understand the mind of God, just reading the scriptures, that God's expectation, and it's one of his major expectations, apart from knowing God, believe me, it is one of the major expectations as we look into the word of God is that we produce fruit. The righteous character 
produced in our life by Jesus Christ. He says this will bring much glory to God. And then lastly, we looked at um, Romans chapter 8, very instructive, Romans chapter 8, where again, it shows us the mind of God in verse verses 27. Well, let me read from verses 28 to 29. It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Verse 29, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. God knew every single one of his children in advance. Um, if you remember, we said that word knew, the Greek is the word progenisko, which means um, uh, it, it means that it's something that you pre precede you. Oh, what's the word now? That's something that you foresee. Um, the English word is a prognosis. A prognosis means something that you you foresee as the end point of um, a condition. So God foresaw for each one of us that we would become like his son, Jesus Christ. That's the plan. And that's the fruit that you and I should challenge ourselves to, um, to develop. And then the last scripture we looked at, and um, we'll then go into today's, is 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And it's a very last verse. I wouldn't bother reading the verses before that, but very last verse. It says in verse 18, so all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. These are just scriptures that embellish the fact that the principal fruit that God is looking for in our lives, ladies and gentlemen, is the fruit of our character. Characters that represent the seed, the tree that we are supposed to come from. And if Jesus is the, is the, is the vine, if Jesus is the tree, then what the Bible is saying is that God's expectation is that our lives, our characters should represent the character of Jesus. And so let's look a bit further today, uh, talking about bearing fruit. Um, so the question, and again, apologies, I, I like to ask questions. And please feel free to ask me questions as well, um, whenever you want to. We stopped at looking at what exactly is character. You know, we talk about these words, we use these words a lot, but... Let's just try and break it down so that we understand what is on the mind of God. We don't miss out on our study of the word of God. So what, what is character? When, when we say character, what exactly is character? Anybody? Anybody? And please feel free to unmute yourselves and, and talk. Anybody at all? What, what's character? When we talk about character, what is it? Okay, so... Who a person is at their core, Candice, fantastic. But can you break that down a bit more? What exactly? We, we, we agree. It is who a person is at their core. But what exactly does that mean? Your true nature, Sophie, I agree. It's your true nature. But what exactly is that? Um, a person's be, okay, thank you. So a person, please feel free to unmute and then answer if you want to. 
a person's behavior or behaviors. Wonderful, yes. Any anybody else? Anybody else? What what's the character when we talk about character? Good, uh, Pierre. Who you are when no one's looking? Um, I'd love for you guys to break these things down. Who you are when no one's looking? A person's build up and formation. Okay. How you behave in your daily life, fantastic. How you behave in your daily life. How you behave when no one's looking. Who you are when no one's watching. And then I love this, Indidi. Thank you very much. The qualities of a person. But I'd love to qualify that a bit more. Because it's not just all the qualities. Because when we talk about qualities, remember we said this yesterday. You have your personality, for example. But your personality is not necessarily your character. There's a bit of an overlap. But your qualities, we're talking about your moral and behavioral qualities. Those are the things that tell us your character. Okay, let me see a person's lifestyle. Now, Michael, um, let, let's just rewind a bit. So it is your character the sum total of your character that determines your lifestyle, the way you live, okay? So your thoughts, your actions, how you carry, present yourself, very good, Khadija. Um, uh, the traits that make you unique, ah, okay. That's not quite correct um, because your personality, our personalities are the principal traits that make us unique. Our characters are not necessarily unique. Um, as you'll find out when we go into that, um, because you develop character. They don't necessarily make you unique, okay? Um, I love this. It's been a moral conscience and how you apply that in your life, fantastic. And how you react. Even oh, uh, if we were in church, I would say, come and sit in the front seat. I don't know how you can do that on Zoom, but this is absolutely brilliant. So it's a moral conscience and how we apply that in our lives and how we react and respond in different situations. Wonderful. Mental quality of an individual, values and moral qualities. You guys are really hot um, that are specific or distinct to you. Okay, again, yes, May, I agree that there would be values and morals that are specific to you, but they're not necessarily distinctive in the sense that people can have the same moral attributes. Okay, values, expression of your moral compass, fantastic. Personal identification that not everyone sees. Okay. Oh, you conduct yourself? Sorry? Oh, you conduct yourself? Oh, how you conduct yourself. Thank you so much. Yes, very well. So I, I let, let me so, summarize that our character is the sum total of our behaviors that are determined by our values, our, 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 our moral, our ethics, the things that we believe in. And they usually demonstrate themselves in the way we respond to circumstances in life, as well as the way that we interact with one another. So character is critical because character is really who you are. Character is who we see in you. Character is how we interact with you. And um, like somebody said, character 
um, as compared to reputation, I, I love one of the quotes that I came across, and I'm sure most of you have, have seen that, that reputation is what people think about you. And, you know, you can make people think anything about you. You can behave in certain ways that would make people think, oh, you're a good guy, uh, you're, you're nice and all that. But your character is the real you, how you behave when people are not watching you, when people don't see you. Um, how, how, how would you treat, how do you treat somebody, and we'll talk about that later, how, how do you treat somebody who is a junior to you, for example, if nobody's watching you? Um, how do you treat somebody who is serving you if nobody's watching you? And that is so critical, ladies and gentlemen, because I'm going to boldly make a statement. There are many things that God looks for. There are many things that please, please God. But can I boldly say to you, ladies and gentlemen, that the thing that pleases God the most is character. And particularly when he sees the character of his son, Jesus, represented in our lives. Um, the traits that make you unique, moral conscience and how you apply, that, that's good. Um, there's another definition that says that character is um, the essence of, uh, of, of our rightness or wrongness, how, how we respond to situations in terms of doing what is right versus doing what is wrong, how we respond to each other in terms of doing what is good versus what is bad. And I can go on and on. But why is character important? Anybody? So we know what character is. And we know that it's the real you. It's the person on the inside that always shows up when uh, there, there, there are circumstances, the challenging circumstances. We'll come to that in a second. But why is character important? Why is it the principal fruit that God emphasizes? In, um, incidentally, um, you know, that word fruit, when, when in John 15 and then all over the Bible, when you see the word fruit, the Greek word is the word kapos. And it refers to the outworking of a person's nature. In the same way, like we said, that, you know, a plant, the, the fruit is the outworking of the tree. Do you know, you may not know what a tree looks like, but the moment you see the fruit, guess what? You know, ah, this is an apple tree. It's exactly the same with us. And um, I, I, I was going to come to this later, but in Matthew chapter 7, verse 20, I'll come to it later. Um, Jesus was, was talking and he says, by their fruit, you will know them. By their fruit, you will know them. So ladies and gentlemen, why is fruit important? Why is character important? Okay. Um, Please feel free to, to, to unmute and talk because I may not be able to catch up with all the, all the responses. So if your character, it's um, Candice, God bless you, sir. If your, character speaks, if your character speaks of your fruit, yeah. your fruit should testify of your seed. Yeah. And if your seed is then the word of God, then you should uh, bear fruit that would testify of God. So, it's, okay. so God is very interested in that. Very good. So, so your character really tells us without you saying it, your character really tells us who you really are in terms of, um, I'm, I'm just embellishing for you, Candice. So the way that we say, I'm a Christian, 
um, a Christian is a follower of Christ, but then you don't have to announce to people that you're Christian. They should be able to see your fruit, your character, and know that you're Christian, yeah? Okay. Um, um, if we have a good character, we will establish and reflect God's kingdom on earth through our fantastic, very good. It's important because it is the reflection of Jesus in us. Very, very good. It's our identity. I love this. Um, because God has created us in his image and likeness, so he wants us to reflect his character. He tells us what we are. So important, ladies and gentlemen, because we forget, and I say we forget, because the truth is that we really forget. We forget that the thing that God wants is not just to save us and bring us into a relationship with him, but that he wants each one of us, having come into that relationship with him, having been joined to the, you know, the branch being joined to, he wants us to represent him to the rest of humanity. Um, and, if you have a representative, ladies and gentlemen, what would you expect of your representative? Do you want your representative to represent you badly and bring a bad name to you? Of course not. So character is critical to God, very, very important to God, because your character can reflect either positively or negatively on the person that you say that you belong to or that you yeah, um, that you raise, you know, particularly as Christians. Okay, um, what, 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 why else? Wh why is character important? What else? Why is character important? It defines who we are, even when we try to keep two faces. Hmm. Um, it defines who you are, even if we try to keep two faces. I guess what that means is that even if you try to pretend, your character will really tell who you are. Yes, we agree, but why is this important? Why is character important to God? Number one, we said because we're supposed to represent God. So he wants people to look at us and see God in our lives. And even as I'm speaking, ladies and gentlemen, you know, the, 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 the whole essence of Bible study is that let the words of God challenge us to become who God wants us to be. So we can pretend, but our character will always show who we are, okay? Di okay, dictates or affects our behavior to enable us to relate to one another. Oh, very, very good. So to enable us to relate to one another, Sophie, you're a star. Why is character important? Number one, because it represents God to people, particularly people who don't know God. But then number two, because like Sophie said, it helps our interaction with one another. And this is so important, ladies and gentlemen, because when our attitudes and behaviors are not representative, it actually affects our interaction with one another. Let me see. We are the Bible people are reading. So we are God's among men, that's very, very good. It informs the decisions you make and the way you live your life. Okay, I mean, I thought it was the other way around, but yeah. Um, but one other thing, um, and then we'll move very quickly, is that why character is so important is that God 
wants to do a lot in every single person's life. But I love a quote that I, I, I came across and I'll just, I'll just read the quote. It says, um, let me find it. People cannot rise above the limitations of their character. People cannot rise above the limitations of their character. And it's so true, ladies, ladies and gentlemen. Now, if you look at it from a God perspective, that God has plans for you and I. You remember when we did the study of Joseph? His plan for Joseph was that he was going to be a prime minister. But guess what? Things needed to happen in Joseph's life in order for, for him to get to the point where God would then make him a prime minister. So character is so important to God because it's like the vessel that we present to God in order for God to fulfill his plans and purposes. Let me digress. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I remembered. I was going to say something um, that the Holy Spirit laid on my heart. This is a slight digression, but um, just to say to every single one of you, and please believe me, um, I'm so convinced. You know, this word that God has given us in, in Isaiah 43, 18 to 19, God is doing a new thing. Um, I was reading it the other day, and the Spirit was um, amplifying in my spirit. When God says, forget the former things, he's saying that we haven't seen yet what God wants to do. Believe me, this next season of all of our lives, by the grace of God, um, in our church, in the nation, God is going to do spectacular things. That's a word that came to my spirit. God is going to do spectacular things. But please understand, it is very important to God that the vessels that he uses to do the spectacular things are appropriate vessels that will bring glory to God. So God is not going to do spectacular things in the life of somebody who, you know, people see, um, they see the wonders, they see the what's called, but then they look at your character and they think, you know, oh my God, what kind of person is this? I hope somebody understands. That's how important character is. Let me see. Um, people cannot rise. Okay. Uh, the higher you want to go, the deeper and stronger the foundation, your character. Very, very true, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I was reading a book last week. Um, you all know about Forbes. Um, you know the Forbes, the list, the Forbes list of they, the, there's usually the Forbes list of uh, the hundred most successful companies and stuff like that. It was founded by a gentleman called um, I think I'm not well. I think it's Henry Forbes. That's his name. The the first Forbes that started that. Um, he sings. I think the the organization's been run by his children now. But I was reading something where they were asking him, very successful man, very successful billionaire. Um, and they were saying all he does, how he made his money was just investing in companies. That's how he came to you know, do this list of the most successful companies. How he made his money was just investing in companies. So they asked him, how do you know which company to invest in? How do you know, you know, you haven't had a bad investment by God's grace all these years and, and stuff like that. How do you know which company to invest in? Guess what he said? He said, I don't bother reading the business strategies of companies. I just watch the character of the CEO, <laughs> the CEO of the company, I just watch them. 
and that by watching the character of the person, I know whether this company is going to go far or not. And I thought, my God, that's so important. And it's the same with you and I. Yeah. Okay. So, um, why is it important? We said it's because it determines the extent to which we would go, the extent to which God can trust us, and it also determines the way that we relate with each other. Incidentally, I hope you all know, guys, I hope you all know this, that nowadays um, at workplaces, um, employ employers have cottoned onto the fact, sorry, the, the chats are going too quickly for me, let me see. Uh, oh, ah, fantastic, Inka. It says, only character can bring lasting success with people. Thank you so much. You just reminded me of the scripture. I forgot to read the scripture in John 15. Remember I said in verse 16, let me read it. Let me read it in verse 16. It says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the father will give you whatever you ask for. And that's so important. When the Bible talks about lasting fruit, again, it's talking about character. And only character, you know, character is like a foundation. If character is good, it holds up everything. And so the things that stand on good character or that are built on good character, the last. So it says only character, only character can bring lasting success with people. Very good, uh, Inca. Okay. Um, how do you maintain your character in a secular world that has made certain business practices the norm, but go against the character you're trying to build? Fantastic, John. That's the reason why we're doing this Bible study. So I ask you the question, how do you maintain your character? And if you understand how important it is to God, but also to people, because please don't be deceived by whatever it is that's going around in the world. Um, yes, there are loads of shady practices and stuff like that. But believe me, every single person is always looking out for people with good character. I can guarantee you. And the challenge or the deception of the world is that if we allow ourselves to get swept along by the things that are happening around us, then guess what? The same people that you're trying to be like, they're the same ones that will despise you. Everybody is looking for people with good character, I can assure you. Anyway, let, let's move very quickly. Um, let me read one or two scriptures. So the character that the fruit that God is looking for is the fruit of the character of Jesus Christ. It's not just um, Jesus is the standard. He's the tree. We are the branches. So whatever fruit, whatever characters we demonstrate or produce should be representative of Jesus Christ. Let me, let's look at one or two scriptures um, just to embellish this. Um, so Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. It says, long ago, God spoke many times in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. Now in these final days, he's, he has spoken to us through his son, his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. Verse 3, the son, that's Jesus Christ, radiates God's own glory. 
and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of, of, of his command. That's what we are supposed to be. If, if the son expresses the very character of God, guess what? God expects us to express the character of God because we're meant to express the character of Jesus Christ. And then if you, let's go back to that scripture in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And then we will look. So 2 Corinthians chapter 3 in verse 18. Remember that scripture in verse 18 says, so all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord and the Lord with the spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. You know what the Bible is saying? That the word of God, remember the word of God is representative of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That the word of God is like a mirror. The more we look into the mirror, the more we study the mirror, the more we start to become like the person that we see in the mirror. You know, it, 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 it's a very fascinating concept, ladies and gentlemen. It's not happening. We should, we, should, we should question our Bible study or our reading of the word. Like I said at the beginning, we shouldn't just be reading the word because we want to identify the blessings, you know, the promises. Look at what does God say about um, killing our enemies and all that. And those things are fantastic. But never forget, ladies and gentlemen, that as we study the Bible, we're looking into the mirror. We want to be like the, the mirror, what, what the mirror is showing us in terms of the character of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, let, let's move quickly because I want us to touch on one or two things. So, question. Let me see if anybody has any question for me. Okay. So, John, I hope I've addressed that. How do you maintain your character in a secular world? Um, and that's the, the whole essence. You see, wherever you are, regardless of the challenges, your quest is to show who you really are. Yeah? Not who circumstances or people around you say that you are. And the more you are grafted to the word, like you said, like we said, the more you're looking into the word, the more you're determined to represent or demonstrate the qualities of the character of the person that you belong to. To do otherwise is to do a disservice to God himself and then to shortchange yourself, like I said, like, like I said earlier. But anyway, let's move very quickly. The number of things I want us to look at. So. Um, ladies and gentlemen, character and personality, does anybody know the difference? What's the difference? Uh, are they the same or are they different? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, Sophie, can you please expand on the idea of employers and good character you were about to mention? Okay. Um, so, so everybody, believe me, um, actually, let me take a step backwards. So many years ago, you would employ people, an employer would employ people based on their skills, yeah? Um, and then people did not pay particular attention to a person's character. But I can bet you, I mean, I read a lot of books on leadership and organizations. I can bet you now 
people are cottoning onto the fact that what character, a person's character is more important than their skills. So for example, you can be a brilliant accountant and I'm an accounting firm and I'm looking for an accountant. You can be a brilliant accountant, but <laughs> if I study you, I notice that you're a bit shady. You don't tell the truth. You know, you're not kind to people. Believe me, nowadays, people are preferring to hire character over skills. I actually came across another quote that I read somewhere where it says, um, I, I think it was Dutch, Dutch Sheets or somebody that said, that nowadays people hire character and teach skills because it's easier to teach skills than teach character. And the results of having bad character are more devastating than not, not having the skills that you require. I hope that makes sense, um, um, Sophie. Yeah, I, I hope you understand. Um, to maintain our character, we need to be conscious of keeping it right. We don't need to do everything we feel, but to be intentional about doing, okay. Um, <laughs> Candice says it's why employers ask for character reference. Very, very true. But you know what? The thing about character reference again is uh, I was saying to somebody that you know when you do when you do interviews. Um, well, at least when I used to do interviews, you know, people people um, write their CVs and people pad their CVs with lots of stuff. And sometimes even character references are not particularly if it's somebody that knows you, they, they don't quite tell who you really are. The best way to know who a person really is, is when they actually start working, believe me. It's when they start working and you start to observe their interaction with other people, you start to um, observe how they behave under pressure. Those are the times that you identify um, a person's, remember, we, that's why we said who you really are, particularly when no one is watching. Um, okay, indeed, business character and personal character are, are connected, yeah, okay. So, character and personality, are they the same or are they different? Anybody? Okay, character defines who you are, while personality refers to what you develop. Mm, nope, 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 nope. Let's move quickly. Um, we still have a few things to talk about, yeah? Nope, 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 nope. It, it's actually, it's actually in it, the, the other way around in, okay, because of time. So your personality or your personality traits are the things that you are born with. Those are the things that are uh, in a sense, genetic, they're the things that, they're traits that are put in you before you were born. So, so for example, um, when, when, when you do personality studies, for example, they say, say, say somebody's an extrovert, somebody's an introvert. Those are personality traits, yeah? <laughs> Character is not inborn. And I wanted to say this particularly, that's why I asked the question. Whilst personality, you are born with personality, you are not born with character, you develop character. And that's the whole essence of our studying and, and, and reading the word and develop, we develop character. Remember, character is the sum total of 
your values, your behaviors, um, um, in fact, life's experiences, those things develop your character. And it's important we understand this, ladies and gentlemen. So we pay attention to developing character. In fact, um, I, I love um, some, some place where it says um, that, that character is a choice. You have a choice to develop the character, your, your character, yeah? Let me see. Character is revealed over time whilst personality is quite visible. Very true, very, very true. Um, because we often would know instantly whether you're a quiet person, whether you're a talkative person, whether, you know, those things that are intrinsic to your personality. Okay, da, 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 da. yes, you are born with personality. Are these personality traits God-given if we say that we are born with them? Absolutely. So when, and sorry, when you say God-given, um, let me differentiate. I, I said absolutely very quickly, May, but let me just um, go back and correct myself slightly. Yeah. So a lot of personality traits are genetically disposed traits in the sense that they come through your DNA, yeah? But don't forget that even DNA, whatever it is that we're made up of, they are gifts from God. That's why I said very quickly, May, that absolutely. Um, but I wanted to explain the, the, the difference between them. So your personality is what you're born with and everything that you're born with is a gift from God. Another way to look at it, May, um, is um, your gifts, your talents, the unique abilities that you have. Those things are from God. They're things that you're born with, yeah? And they distinguish you, but they are different from your character. I, I hope that is clear, yeah? Okay. Could we... Uh, could yeah, go on, go on. I'm trying to get my head around this. Um, you know, we make a distinction between the fruits that of the spirit. Yes. Different from the designated roles for us within the church. Different from the talents given to God, given to us by God. Okay. I think I'm getting it wrong. So, okay. Would we Let say the this personality one you're saying is God given? Mm -hmm. you're born with those are the like you said the talents god has given you yes 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 and then we have the fruits of the spirit are those the character traits which we now develop okay all right so you you'll make me go forward a bit um, <laughs> but i know we're running out of time but let me let me let me answer the question um so first of all um, with regards to the work of the Holy Spirit, um, and, and I think, and I know Pastor Baj is going to, we're going to go on to the Holy Spirit after we finish this journey of fruit. With regards to the work of the Holy Spirit, yeah, first of all, we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, but compared to as distinct from the fruit of the Spirit, yeah. So the gifts of the Spirit are the manifestations of the power of the spirit in our lives and you know the the gifts of the spirit the nine gifts of the spirit so the word of wisdom the word of knowledge um, um uh, prophecy and all the those things are manifestations of the power of the spirit of god when the spirit of god comes upon us yeah 
Yeah. Like we always say, the gifts of the Spirit, they don't belong to you. They belong to the Spirit. The Spirit just comes and manifests in a person's life and then, you know, gives you the ability, healing, faith, and so those are the gifts of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, on the contrary, in, is the work of the Spirit on our character, on our person, to produce the character of Jesus Christ in us, yeah? Remember I said that character is developed. So the Spirit of God, together with the work of, with the Word of God, develops Christ-like character in us. Do, does that make sense? Do, do you understand that, yeah? So mm -hmm. it's not the same as the yeah. gift that comes. So the fruit is the evidence of the work of the Spirit of God and the Word of God in our lives, yeah? Now, that is also different from, let me go back to the, the, the gifts. So we have the gift of the Spirit, which I've told you, the nine gifts of the Spirit. We also have the gift of the Son, those are the ministry gifts, Ephesians chapter 4, the ministry gifts that God bestows to develop and equip people in the church. And then you have the gifts of the Father. That's First uh, Peter 4.10, the, the gifts of the Father. The gifts of the Father re refer to those unique traits that God puts in us. So the talents that God has put in us before we are born. Those are the gifts of the Father, yeah? Would now, we, would we say being introvert or extrovert yes. is a gift of the Father? No. So, okay. so that's this, the, the differentiation between them, yeah? But don't forget, don't forget that even your personality is a gift from God because everything that we are is by God. So whatever is in your DA, whatever your personality is from God. But the reason why I choose to distinguish them is that the gifts of the Father generally refer to our talents, our dispositions. The, the, oh, sorry, um, um, the, the, there's a word that was coming to my mind just now. Um, I'll, if I remember, I'll, I'll mention it before we end. Yeah. But the, the, the gifts of the Father are the unique talents that he gives us that enable us, particularly because everything that God gives us is, is, is for the benefit of other people, is, is to enable us to serve other people. So there are unique gifts and talents that enable us serve the rest of humanity. Maybe one of these days um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the gifts of the Father. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Let me yes, let me move very quickly because it looks like we're not going to get to where we're going. Um, you know, talk, talk, talking about um, why character is important. I was talking to my son a week ago, so we were talking. We're just gisting, and then he says, he says to me, he says that um, he says, "Do we look alike?" So, so I says, said to him, "In what way? Is it?" naturally or character wise because they're not quite the same so we can look alike because of the genetics the things that are 
transferred from me to him and you know from your parents to you and, and all that but it doesn't necessarily mean that a father and son will be alike character wise because we develop character yeah uh, let me see first uh, peter 410 410 for the gifts uh, okay lots of questions let me let me let me just go on uh, because we're not going to get to where I wanted us to end today because there are two principal um, character traits that I wanted us to look at. But um, um, yeah, so there's this quote I wanted to mention. It says, talents are gifts from God, but our character is a gift to God. Talents are gifts from God. So we've talked about that. But our character is a gift to God, because it is as we show Christ-like character, um, we're saying to God, you know what, that though your work in our lives is producing this fruit and it's pleasing to God. Uh, for those of you who were there last week, um, Matthew chapter three, the last two verses, I think 17 and 18, when Jesus was baptized, he came out of the water and the bible says that a voice came and said this is my beloved son in whom i am well pleased if i ask you the question now it's going to take us in a different direction but let me let me just ask what exactly was it that god was pleased with jesus what exactly was it that he was pleased with when he says this is my beloved son matthew 3 17 to 18 this is my beloved son in whom i'm well pleased Anybody? What exactly was he pleased? Uh, okay. Candice says his character in being baptized. Hmm. Okay. Um, yes, I can. His obedience. Okay. He knew no sin. He was walking in the Father's will. He submitted to God. Very, very good. His response to the devil's temptation. No. So this was before the temptation. And I'm going to end with that. This was before the temptation. Because he was baptized in Matthew 3, um, I think 16 to 18. And the temptation started in Matthew chapter 4. So what was God? God has an amazing sense of humor because we all have different personalities. Okay, yeah, that's a statement. Okay, humbling himself to be baptized by man. It, it, it's actually more than that, ladies and gentlemen. Remember I said, and I'm going to end with this because um, we only have two minutes. We are born with personality, but we develop character. Character is a choice, yeah? It is a choice that we make in terms of determining what our values are, our beliefs are, and determining to do what is right versus what is wrong, behaving in the right way. It, it's something that we develop over time, yeah? We develop character. And if you look at the life of Jesus, very, very fascinating story. Son of God, but man. If you remember in Luke chapter 2, verse 49, um, the Bible says that when they went to, he was 12 years old, when they went to um, Jerusalem for the Passover, 
I'm, I'm paraphrasing now because of time. Um, they went to Jerusalem for the Passover. And um, when they left, they couldn't find Jesus. They looked for him three days. They now found him in the temple. And he was talking with the teachers, you know, amazing things. You know, the, the, the people couldn't believe how knowledgeable he was. And his mother says to him, that why, 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 why did you treat us like this? You knew we were looking for you for three days. You know, we didn't know what was happening to you. And you know, his answer that didn't you know that I have to be in my father's house doing my father's business? But then the Bible then says in verse 48 that he then got up and followed after them. I wish we had time. I really would love to, to explore this. Did Jesus know that he was the son of God then? Anybody? Anybody? Did he know that he was the son of God? Yes. Did you? You're sure? Yeah? Yes. Anybody else? Did Jesus know he was the son of God? Yes. Okay. Tell me. Anybody else? Is there anybody that thinks that he did not know he was the son of God? Anybody that thinks he did not know he was the son of God? Me. Rita? I don't, yeah, I don't what, think he did know. Why do you think he did not know? Because he didn't get any teaching until when he went into that place you said where we were talking, when, when, the, when his parents could not find him. Mm. That's the only way he probably acknowledged it then. No, but, but, but you see, even if he was getting teaching from the teachers, they wouldn't have been telling him that he was the son of God because they didn't know themselves that he was the son of God. So it no, wouldn't have been saying, the teaching. Yeah, but I'm saying that he, he probably acknowledged it when he was in the house with the men asking these questions. Yes. He uh, probably, sorry. sorry? He probably acknowledged it then. But before, okay. I don't think he knew. Okay. I think he knew, Rita. Okay. I think, I think, um, in in fact, um, don't don't forget that by the time he went into the temple, the Bible mm. says that the way that he was talking and asking them questions and answering them, they mm. marveled at his wisdom. At twelve years old, they marveled. Okay. And, um, I th I think he knew. I think that as he grew up, he must have started to get a sense of just like Moses. Remember Moses. Um, mm. We were going to talk about all this, but I, I think we'll, we'll carry that on to next week. Just like Moses, he knew that there was something about him that was different. He knew that, anyway, all of that. So I, I think he knew. Okay. Now, the question is, if he knew, and I'm going to end, uh, because he was born of the Holy Spirit, somebody says, uh, his parents would have also told him worries. Very, very good. I didn't even think about that, yes. Um, uh, yes, because verse 50 of the scripture stated it. Okay, I'll look at that verse 50. But anyway, my, my question is this, ladies and gentlemen. If you knew he was the son of God, 12 years old, his mother comes and chastises him and says, you, why, why, why did you put us to grief and all that? And he says, ah, but didn't you know I, I needed to be in my father's house? And then the Bible says, the next verse it says, but he got up and went home with them and submitted to them. The question is what was happening between 12 years of age and 30 years of age in Matthew 3, 17 to 18, when he was baptized. 
what do you think was happening? I can tell you, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I can tell you what was happening. Somebody says he was serving his parents. He, he was, was developing, developing his character. He was developing his character. And what God was saying, I'm pleased, is that, you know, after 18 years of developing his character, you know, God is saying, you know what? I, I'm really pleased with you. You know, even though you're God, even though you're the son of God, you know, you've submitted yourself, you're learning these things and all that. That is what God was pleased with. You know, my prayer mm. as we end today, I always say, may God look down from heaven and each time he sees our lives, may he say he's pleased with you, he's pleased with me because mm. of the fruit of the character of Jesus that he sees in our life. But we are going to look into that next week. Um, let me give you some homework to do for next week because we've run out of time so character is developed but character is also tested yeah think about that and think about your life i'll think about my life how am i developing the character of christ in my life and what are the things that god uses to test those characters yeah so think about those two things. How am I developing Christ-like character? It's not just reading about it, ladies and gentlemen. It's important that these fruits become evident. How am I developing the, the character? And what are the circumstances? What are the ways that God tests Christ-like character in my life? Okay, so let's end with that. And um, yeah, I, I think we'll we'll leave it like that. And then... Hopefully next week we'll look at two principal Christ-like characteristics. And um, yeah, that's it. It's, let me see, it's also praying for godly character. Therefore, because he humbled himself, yeah, okay, that's fine. All right, guys, apologies. I've, we've run out five minutes over time. Um, thank you. God bless you. Let's meet again next week. But please don't forget um the questions what was the second question for so first question is how are you developing the christ-like character in your life second question is what are the ways that you know that you've experienced that god tests those characters what are the ways the circumstances that god uses to test those characters in your life please Look into these things and we'll talk about it next week. God bless you guys. God bless you.